Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Healthcare Executive Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Elsevier. As misinformation multiplies, giving your clinicians easy access to the most trusted, current, evidence-based information is more important now more than ever. Elsevier's Clinical Key can help. Download the executive brief at trustclinicalkey.com. Okay, our guest today is Mr. Eric Connolly, Executive Vice President of Fredert Health and President of Fredert Hospital in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Eric joined the health system back in July of 2018 as Senior VP and COO for Fredert Hospital and was appointed to his current role in July of this year. He's responsible for the overall functions of the hospital, including leading the execution of performance with respect to strategic priorities and plans in the areas of service, quality, staff development, growth, and finance. Also coordinating operational performance among system entities and oversight of ambulatory services in partnership with the Medical College of Wisconsin. Eric has significant experience in leading academic medical center and health system operations. Prior to joining Fredert Health, Eric served as vice president of service lines and surgical service for Kentucky One Health and Vice President of Operations for Northwestern Memorial Hospital, the 854-bed Academic Medical Center and Primary Teaching Hospital for Northwestern University. Eric earned his Master's in Healthcare Administration from Ohio State University. He has supported his communities throughout leadership and organizations such as the YMCA, Chambers of Commerce, and nonprofit arts and social services organizations, and as a member of the National Association of Health Service Executives. Eric Conley, welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. We appreciate you being here. Uh, thank you for having me here, Chris. It's an absolute honor and, uh, and a privilege, so uh, I'm enjoying this. Great. And, and you know, our, our listeners are really going to enjoy our conversation. Like we, like we mentioned, you're the perfect guest for the uh, leading for equity. That's the topic of today. But first, before we get to any of that, obviously, let's talk about the, the pandemic that we've all been kind of making our way through since earlier this year. And, and, and Fratered Health, um, you know, doing excellent work for, for their patients during this pandemic. But obviously, we know it's not over. We're, we're recording this right now in, in, in November. I should say, or early November, and it's, you know, we're still going in this. It's the second wave. How are you guys doing? You know, like many, um, we're experiencing that, that, that big wave, and it is not so much the, the numbers as it is really the length of time we've been dealing with COVID-19. So um, just as earlier this week, we had as many as 190 COVID patients in our system. The hospital I'm responsible for, we have 130 uh, COVID patients. Now, when you take the 130 and all that comes with uh, the, the COVID aspect of it, with the PPE, the donning and doffing, uh, all those things, add on now another 600 or so patients that we have inside, it gets a little a little stressful. Um, and so many, like many health systems, we're just we're struggling with making sure uh, we have everything we need for our patients. The other challenge, like many other places have, that we did not have in the spring is the community spread. The community spread is so rampant that many of our employees, like many other health systems, are getting hit with the virus from the community. And so their time off really stresses the staffing levels. 
So what we are really focusing on is really the, the staffing aspect of it and the mental health aspect of our, of our staff and providers. Sure. That, that last part is, is always something that sometimes people forget about, but that mental aspect of just yeah. dealing with this day after day after day. And now we have flu season, so you kind of you couple it in with that. And yes, it, 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 it is a grind each and every day. So again, kudos to what you guys are doing there, handling, navigating your way through this. Um, all right, let's talk about, uh, we mentioned the, the, the title for today, Leading for Equity, and uh, it was actually the cover story in the latest issue of Healthcare Executive, the magazine. Uh, you were featured in that article. Uh, you discussed uh, Freighter Health's, uh, the, the big plan to achieve equity and inclusion. Uh, you talked about goals for increasing diversity, particularly, especially in leadership, uh, and tell us more about that uh, because that's what we really want to kind of dive into today. So yeah, we you know we had a diversity inclusion council committee, and we we're committed to diversity throughout our system in a variety of different ways, uh, both racial, gender, uh, ethnic, as well as diversity of thought. So that that has always been on the forefront. With all of the issues that that occurred over the past summer we elevated and escalated those activities. And we took those activities and really kind of spread it out to our, our community. So when we talk about the position I'm in, um, our chief, my, the person who took over my position uh, is a diverse candidate. Uh, it, it's a diverse uh, COO. What we focused on is having, in all of our searches, a legitimate, diverse pool of candidates, not just on paper, but that get invited in for interviews. Um, qualified diverse candidates and every time we did that uh, and we've done since you know me, being announced here in this role i've done five or six searches and every single one of them had three to four out of six to seven diverse candidates uh involved in that and that's when the real talent then rises and oftentimes it's a diverse candidate uh, or you get the very best of it so we wanted to make sure we focused on high qualified diverse candidates from all aspects. We did a chief medical officer search, and when you look at uh, from that diversity aspect, there aren't many female chief medical officers uh, that are out there. We had two of the four candidates, uh, final candidates, that were female chief medical officer candidates. So that's how serious we're taking it. Never, ever once um, slacking on the quality uh, of the candidate. We just have to extend our searches, and that's been a key. Uh, we've been willing to take a, a longer time to make sure we find a robust pool uh, of candidates for that. And that's sometimes many of the organizations try to rush some things through. We're serious enough about it to say, this can wait. We, we want to be thorough and thoughtful and we'll expand our networks. We'll go out and reach and look and we'll take our time with it because the end product will always be better if, it, if it's a diverse pool. And and as, as those uh, candidates come in and you expand and... Um, uh, in diversity and they become staff members, um, no matter what level you're talking about, kind of leads us to the next question. Uh, you you want to make sure um, the well-being, the physical and mental well-being is there uh, when you're talking about diversity and inclusion uh, as part of your team. And obviously, we know that that's not always that easy for a lot of folks, especially after what we saw this past summer with all the civil unrest. And I know that hits really close to you guys at, at Freighter Health with, with Jacob Blake, the man who was uh, uh, involved in that shooting in, in Kenosha. 
uh, back in August that triggered everything over again. Um, He was actually treated, if I'm not correct, at at your network's flagship hospital. Is, Is that correct? Yeah, we are the, uh, so Frederick Hospital, uh, one of which I'm president, is the only level one trauma uh, center in Southeast Wisconsin. So all of those types of injuries come to us. Uh, and so by, by nature of the injury, he came and was treated here. How did you guys deal with all that? You know, it's it, like everything else, it was a real trying time. Uh, how we really dealt with it was, following one, certain policies that we have to follow uh, and go on and where that person was. But what came out of that because of all the attention, because of uh, what happened uh, and everything else that had surrounded the the, the country uh, with George Floyd and everything else, it was very tense. So what we really focused on was having uncomfortable conversations uh, and putting groups together to talk in dialogue and creating safe space where people can ask questions and feel comfortable asking those questions. We had individual uh, employees and providers who really may not have fully understood the the rationale or why, uh, but wanted to learn uh, and ask questions. And we wanted to make sure that it felt comfortable. Comfortable being uncomfortable is what we talk about a a lot and having those those dialogues. We have um, what we call our business resource groups African-American, Latinx, LGBTQ groups. We called on that structure and format to form safe space, safe chats, safe conversations, so we can get in it and we we hit it head on. Our whole philosophy and culture is also around dignity and respect. The dignity and respect of differences, the dignity and respect of the different diverse thoughts, the different uh, diversity from racial and gender. So that background, that basis really helped us have these types of conversations and really dealt with a very tense uh, issue there. We then had to have a lot of conversations about what was legal, what was a law enforcement policy versus what was a hospital policy. And again, it's about let's dialogue and understand. Um, But I can tell you the amount of um, conversations, phone calls, voicemails we we, we felt of, why are you treating him the way he he is and those things. Uh, We ended up engaging in very thoughtful conversations with our our sheriff's department here in the county. And we are embarking on ways that we can treat uh, individuals in a different manner, more humanistic, human aspect of it. Uh, But it's all about having that uncomfortable conversation first and foremost. Yeah, that, that, that communication should always be there. And it was very interesting, some of the insight that you just gave us about, about sometimes people may not realize when they're talking about diversity, when you look past just numbers of employees, and you said something, diversity in thought, because everybody kind of comes from a different place. They think differently, and you get that collaboration. That can only be a good thing under the proper circumstances. Is that a fair point? Oh, it's an absolutely fair point. And even when you are talking about racial issues and racial diversity, you may have someone who may have never been around a person of color until they started working here and have some legitimate questions that they want to want to be feel comfortable dialoguing about. And that's what we created with the with the chats and then vice versa. It was also an opportunity to educate those on what the, the sort of the unconscious bias that's there and little things that, that are done that makes a, a, a diverse individual feel uncomfortable in an environment. Little things to, uh, to say. One of, the, one of the topics was, and the big great example was, 
hey, if you have someone diverse, a uh, person of color, a professional, one of the most offensive things you can say to them is, wow, you are really, you really are articulate um, and it, it, you present well. And it's like, well, you know, why is that only applied to people of color? And that's the majority of times you hear that. But it was an educational conversation. It was, here's why it feels that way. And it was, it was amazing. Some of the responses, you would see some genuine, I didn't realize that was offensive. Um, or when asking about a hair uh, with, with black females, it's, wow, I did not know. So, so it was a wonderful experience to see uh, that dialogue happening. And then this, oh, wow, because of the safe space created. Yeah, like we mentioned, that communication, really, really solid communication is a very, very powerful thing. Really, you, you, can't, you can't duplicate it anywhere else. Uh, just a reminder, folks, to our listeners that today's episode is brought to you by Elsevier. As misinformation multiplies, giving your clinicians easy access to the most trusted, current, evidence-based information is more important than ever. Elsevier's Clinical Key can help. Download the executive brief at trustclinicalkey.com. Calm. Okay, getting back to the discussion, Eric, um, the, the, the notion of equity in, in healthcare leadership goes well beyond just, just the room you're sitting in and the walls of your hospital and your health organizations, as we all know. Um, let's talk about the outreach programs that aim to help a, a address the root causes of, of some of these systemic problems that, that we see. Um, I understand you're partnering um, with other organizations to address social uh, determinants of health, and, and you've set these, these goals, these spending goals with, with minority-owned uh, suppliers. Is, is that true? Can you talk about that? Yeah, we, we've set and, and have on our scorecard, you know, where we have to have a certain percentage. We're trying to get up. Uh, it's a gradual step to up to between 5% and 10% of, of spend. Uh, for minority suppliers. But what we've also done and went out and put into our strategic plan is to eradicate racism uh, in our communities. Uh, And those acts, those programs that we're involved with in the community are partnering with a variety of different uh, organizations within the community to address health disparities and to address and eradicate racism. One example, uh, we have a great partnership with the Office of Violence Prevention uh, with the city of Milwaukee. They have a program there, 414 Life, where we have violence interrupters, and they're called hospital responders, where when there is a trauma, a gun violence, uh, in a certain age um, and ethnic group, usually between 15 and 35 uh, individuals of color, these interrupters partner with um, the community to stop the retaliation uh, of violence. And that has been successful. Um, Now the COVID pandemic has caused a lot of things to to elevate, but in the first year of this program, there was an absolute reduction. But what was also discovered in that is as these these hospital responders were communicating on what was happening with the the victims, those individuals who were actually shot or, or stabbed, we went in and we realized that all of the issues related to health uh, also surrounded anything with violence. So with more of a social work component of it, and we're able then to partner with communities to address those social determinants through other programs, all through this violence uh, prevention and its violence interrupter type program. 
And that's what we're out there doing. We have what we call our community conversations. Again, that same theme of uncomfortable conversations where we're meeting with community leaders to dialogue. How can we help? How can we partner? And we tell them, we don't have to lead. We want to make sure that the resources are available there in the community. During the COVID pandemic, out in these distressed communities, uh, communities of color, we provided many of the lab testing there. But other organizations were out front actually collecting, and we were running the test on the back end. So and, it's and, those, those conversations that we were having. On and just by, just by hearing, hearing you answer that question is obviously the reason why we wanted to have you as our featured guest for this topic, leading for equity, because obviously you and, and, and everyone involved with Freighter, it is, you guys are kind of further on down the road with this topic than, than maybe some others. So we, I guess for, for our listeners, what, what types of, for, for those that are just entering into this and just starting this conversation, maybe just starting to enter into, hey, how do I feel comfortable in an uncomfortable conversation like you were talking about earlier. For those folks in leadership that might be listening, what are some pieces of advice you can impart to maybe start that on the right track, if you will? You know, it's, it is as difficult as it, it may be or as it may sound, it can be quite simple. Just by acknowledging you don't know, just by acknowledging you want to improve by being willing um, to sit down and have a conversation, be willing to be um, exposed. One of the things we're, we're doing, we're showing our statistics, all right? So when we talk about diverse employees, we are showing all of those, including here the number that we've hired, but also here the number in management, here the number we've promoted, and those numbers don't look good. Um, yes, as an African-American, um, the first African-American in the position of the president here at Freighter Hospital, and our, our COO is also of color, but when you stop getting lower, we do not do a good job uh, of having minority people of color in those ranks, but we are showing that to the community so that the community can hold us accountable, and it's, it's being comfortable with doing that and then being intentional with sort of the actions that, that follow. And what we've discovered, and, and what many organizations, if they go out and do this, will discover, you have communities who want to partner with you, who understand, uh, as long as you understand. Can't tell you the number of times individuals will say, well, we, don't, we can't find uh, qualified individuals. Maybe in your network you can, but you have to expand your network. And the only way we can really expand anyone's network is getting outside of that network. And that's why being as transparent uh, as we have been, I would recommend for any other organization to do it. Call it what it is. Um, understand it. Your numbers and your data will tell you whether or not um, you are meeting any criteria. And if you're not, you know, be intentional about having the conversations and be intentional about doing something about it. Uh, and it is that easy as just taking that first step forward. Yeah, and hopefully that can serve as some inspiration because being fully transparent, especially about something like this, for some folks takes a lot of courage. And so hopefully they're listening to you and maybe maybe can summon that and, and take that first step. No question about that. So thank you for that. And Eric, you do have, a, you know, we wanted to have you on also to kind of ask you this last question about um, your long, uh, the, your, the history of your career 
healthcare, outside of healthcare, you've been a member of ACHE and the National Association of Health Services Executives, which is the premier professional membership society for uh, black healthcare executives and also a partner of ACHE. What have you learned? What have you seen um, maybe to some, some early career healthcare leaders looking to get involved in something? What can you say about ACHE and all the other organizations that you've come across in your career? You know, what, what, I, what I will say, and I just had a, a conversation with one of our, our fellows uh, right before this um, uh, podcast, those organizations are phenomenal. They're phenomenal for building networks. They're phenomenal for um, expressing, you know, inner feelings or struggles, reaching out and having conversations. Throughout my career, uh, it was through NASI or uh, NASI conferences or ACHE conferences where not only did I get to see mentors and meet mentors uh, who I aspire to be, but also peers, colleagues, and to be able to dialogue and talk and share experiences with them, whether you're in early careers with a, within ACHE and dealing with what it's like to be, you know, coming from a fellow to a first-time manager or director, and, uh, and sharing those experiences, extremely valuable. With NASI, it's the same thing. With NASI, it's also being a diverse organization. You can share, here's how it feels to be that diverse or only person uh, in the room and be able to share some insights and, be, and, 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 and realize, hey, it's not just me, all right? It's not me. I'm not going um, crazy, if you will. Uh, that's what that involves, the education, the opportunity but, uh, to, to learn, but to engage with other individuals peers and colleagues has been the most valuable thing. I have lifelong relationships now because of my relationships from ACHE and NASI. Our COO, uh, I, I met her literally 22 years ago um, and we were on a committee together. You know, so it's those relationships that we've had before that I've called upon throughout my career for advice, for help, uh, for jobs, uh, and also to extend jobs too. So they're, they're, those two organizations in my eyes and any of those organizations like that are extremely valuable in your career going forward. Well, um, boy, th this 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 conversation has been extremely insightful. Uh, you've been right on the mark, Eric. Uh, thank you so much for for taking the time out of your busy day to, to join us and to to uh, give some pieces of advice and some j just a great conversation to all our listeners. So we we want to thank Mr. Eric Conley from Freighter Health. Uh, and thanks to all our listeners. Before we go, just remember that today's episode was brought to you by Elsevier. As misinformation multiplies, giving your clinicians easy access to the most trusted, current, evidence-based information is more important now more than ever. Elsevier's Clinical Key can help download the executive brief at trustclinicalkey.com. Eric, once again, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Uh, Chris, it's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. You got it. We'll see you next time on the Healthcare Executive Podcast. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ache.org.